Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Have you ever admired someone's career and thought, how did she do it? What was her journey like? How did she make it happen? That's what I wondered when I first met Chicago's showbiz Shelley. She's the go-to entertainment expert throughout Chicago, and I always wondered what her career path looked like. So when I created my occasional series about women making it happen in their careers, I knew I wanted to invite Shelly to share her story. Talk about making it happen. Shelly basically created a career for herself, one that pretty much didn't exist until she decided to make it exist. And Shelly's here to share her journey and provide inspiration for you as you make it happen in your career. Just a little bit more about Shelly. Showbiz Shelly is the midday host and entertainment reporter for Chicago's 103.5 KISS FM. She also joins Fred and Angie each morning for her popular Showbiz Showdown segment. Shelly graduated from Northwestern University's Medill School of Journalism with a degree in broadcasting. And over the last 13 years as an entertainment reporter, Shelly has interviewed actors, musicians, and sports stars, including Jennifer Lopez, Justin Bieber, Angelina Jolie, Michael Jordan, and John Travolta, just to name a few. Her entertainment pieces regularly appear on CBS, ABC, Fox, NBC, WCIU, and WTTW. When she's not covering the entertainment beat, you can find Shelly doing yoga, watching some of her favorite TV shows, pretty much any reality show, especially The Bachelor, Chicago Fire, This Is Us, or she's playing beach volleyball in the summer. There's a lot more to Shelly's story, but I'll let her share that with you herself in the following interview. Shelly, welcome to the program. Hi, Karen. Thank you. Thanks so much for your time today. I want to let the listeners know a little bit about uh, your background, but but also how we connected. We connected kind of randomly. It was just a couple yeah, of years. <laughs> it was a couple of years ago for that really awesome movie, How to Be Single. And mm-hmm. I think my publicist at the time reached out to you, and you were doing a screening of it, which you do a lot in Chicago for a lot of cool movies. And because obviously How to Be Single was right up my alley, we were able to connect and we did like a little kind of Q and A before the the film uh, was shown and. It was a lot of fun, and I was just glad to meet you. And I have to let you know, I didn't tell you this at the time, but when I was mentioning to my niece, who's in her 20s, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this uh, screening thing with Showbiz Shelly. She's like, Showbiz Shelly? Are you kidding oh. me? She, she was all excited. That is so funny. We'll tell her thank you so much. And yeah, it's funny because I remember that day very well because that was a really fun screening. And then, yeah, I remember meeting you and thinking, she's so cool. Like, you had so much good stuff to say. And so then I think from there, we just kind of, followed each other on social and took off from there. So yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we connected, um, kind of reconnected on Instagram. Yeah. And then here you are today. So again, thanks so much for joining me. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I've always admired your career and it's always occurred to me, I've always wondered, how did you become (laughs) Shelly? Like it's kind of random. And so I have this series, this occasional series called Women Making It Happen in Their Careers. When I came up with that idea to have that series, I thought of you right away because to my mind, you came up with an idea of like, this is what I want to do. I want to be the go-to source for pop culture and entertainment in Chicago. And then how in the heck did you make that happen? (laughs) No, it's a good question. And like a lot of people have said, oh my gosh, like what you've done is like a one in like million thing. And um, it is in a way, but it also was a lot of hard work and it was a lot of 
sacrifices. I mean, I knew, like, just to give you a little backstory on me, I grew up in the Chicago area. I grew up in the North suburbs and um, I had actually a radio show in high school at Nutrier High School and I just did it for fun with friends. I mean, growing up, I was, I'm like just naturally more on the quiet, shy side. So doing wow. this radio show with a few friends, it was just like kind of a fun thing to do like after school. And I think we had like a radio show during like our lunch period or something. And then um, I went on to Northwestern and at Northwestern, um, I became involved with the TV station there. But while I was in high school, I mean, some, it was just like my thing every day I'd come home and I'd either watch Say by the Bell or TRL or Full House. And like at the time, I remember I had a phase where I was particularly obsessed with Total Request Live. Like I would go home and Carson Daly was on and I thought to myself, gosh, I love the idea of getting to interview all these musicians who I love and all these celebrities who I watch on TV and who I look up to. And I would love to do that one day. And there was something that fascinated me about the idea of sort of being a small little part of what was going on in the world. And so when I went to um, Northwestern, I majored in journalism, which is kind of along that same idea. And I took a lot of classes doing... um, hard news and covering, you know, a lot of the serious stories. And it just never meshed with my personality. It just wasn't, it wasn't quite right. And so when I would do the more lighthearted entertainment stuff, um, for me, that was always, I don't know, I just always kind of knew that was like my niche. That's where I wanted to be. And so I ended up doing, like I said, um, I majored in television at Northwestern and then I ended up becoming like the head of the arts and entertainment, um, uh, TV station there because we had like a TV station and we'd had stuff that would air locally there. And so I became sort of the head of the arts and entertainment part of that. Um, and I just always kind of knew I was like, this is just, there was never like, well, if this doesn't work, I'm going to do this. It was just always my plan. I want to be an entertainment reporter in some capacity and, uh, get to be a part of the pop culture world. I just loved it. Like I said, I was fascinated by it. And so, I got my, I want to say it was my sophomore year of college. I applied to be an intern um, at another radio station, which I don't know if I'm allowed to say anymore, but (laughs) I worked there as an intern in the um, promotions department just for a summer. I was handing out keychains. I was um, handing out t-shirts. I was going to events at, you know, local festivals or whatever. And then um, from there, I met the night show at the time, Styles and Roman, and they were really cool. I really enjoyed doing promotional events with them. And so I reached out to them and I said, hey, if you guys are ever looking for an intern for your regular radio show, you know, I'd love to be considered. And sure enough, they were looking for somebody. And so I ended up interning with them. And um, I always knew, too, that just having that experience doing the uh, on-air stuff at New Trier on my radio show, I always kind of knew that that was more the path I wanted to go. And then getting the experience I was at Northwestern, I always kind of knew that was the direction that I wanted to head in. So with them, I ended up literally, I was uh, answering phone calls. I was getting them food. It was just, you know, like regular sort of intern duties. Um, and I interned with them. It was supposed to be like a quarter-long internship. I think I ended up interning for them for about a year and a half something around there because yeah, it was just such, we got along so well and I loved it so much. And so I was going to school during the day and then I'd go to their show at night and, uh, do my internship. And then at one point I even, I studied abroad in Spain and I didn't, um, you know, I was still interning for them and, um, and actually I'll back up a little bit. So I, I was interning with them doing all sort of, you know, the regular intern duties. And then, Uh, I got asked, they said, Hey, you know, we love, we know how much you love pop culture. We know how much you enjoy talking about celebrities and entertainment. Would you want to do a short segment on our show? And I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. And at this point I was, 
I believe, a junior at Northwestern. And so every Monday night, I did Shelly's Street Talk. And I did that for, <laughs> for a few months. And then I ended up traveling to Spain. And I studied abroad in Spain. And I didn't want to lose that spot because I was so grateful to have it. And I just started doing it. And so I actually ended up pre-taping a bunch of segments that they aired while I was in Spain because I wanted to make sure that it, you know people... Um, they were able to get the consistency and, um, and then not too long after that, when I got back, the boss at the radio station, um, he had heard the segment one night driving home and he brought me in and he said, Hey, you know, we're looking to bring some people in for the morning show. Would you like to join? And I was like, Oh my gosh, absolutely. And so at that point I was a junior in college and I was doing a morning show in market three, which doesn't happen too often. So I was, yeah. So I started yeah. the day before my 21st birthday. I'll never forget it. And um, I've been doing it ever <laughs> since. It's the only job I've ever had. And, um, and you know, it's obviously I've worked with many different shows. And then since then, um, you know, it's the only station I ever worked for until I moved over to Kiss FM. And now I've been at Kiss FM for about a year and a half. So that's sort of how things played out. And um, I'm glad they did. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think Chicago's glad they, that it played out that way too. Well, and what I love is that it was a lot of you, it was really a lot of you just taking advantage of whatever kind of opportunity came your way and making the most of it. Like, you know, started yeah, I'm just passing out keychains and doing promo, but I'm making connections. I'm, I'm meeting people. I'm showing up and I'm hustling even when it's a job that seems at that point kind of far removed from the goal, but you're there, you're doing your best. And then by shining in that capacity, even though it wasn't quite what you wanted to do yet, you were able to make those connections and make a good impression. A hundred billion percent. Yeah. And that's like what, that's what I tell people all the time is, just get your foot in the door if you can somewhere, even if it has, even if it's in the building that you want to be in, because right, you make the connections and you want to shine in whatever area you are working in and show to those people, hey, look, I'm going to, you know, be the best that you absolutely need me to be and you can rely on me and I'll be consistent. And that'll carry through. That'll make waves throughout the company or wherever you are. And, um, that's what I tried to do is like, Hey, I'm going to be the best promotions intern I'm going to be. And then, you know, Styles and Roman were like, Oh, we heard you're good. Yeah. Join our show. And then, okay, I'm going to be the best, you know, um, night show intern I can be. And, and it just, you know, it kind of, um, yeah, like you said, it worked out in my favor. And, and I think that's the other huge thing is just consistency and following through on things that you say you're going to do. I, I tell people all the time, and especially the younger kids who are always curious and sort of asking similar questions to you is, you know, what is something I can do? Honestly, if you say you're going to send an email to somebody, do it. You know, like, right. and it sounds so simple, yeah. but I find that for some people, it's not that simple. I don't know. Yeah, I think oftentimes too with the younger generation, they may see where you are now and not understand how much hustle was behind it, right? Because, and especially on social media, they see these people who are like 17 years old and they're an influencer and they have 7.5 million followers and stuff. And so they, they may not understand that, you know, that's kind of one in a million, but the rest of us, we have to go and hustle. Hustle, 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 yep. and, and and yeah, and and be true to our word. And also, what I love is that you were art yourself. You came in there and you didn't pretend to be like, well, what I really want to do is this and this. But really, down deep, what you wanted to do was to do the entertainment stuff. You just let it be known. So then, mm -hmm. as you cultivated these connections and these relationships, then it was clear that wait, that's that's Shelly's thing. She loves that. Hey, maybe we want to bring that on to the morning show. And so, by you being yourself, being authentic hustling, then you were able to demonstrate what you were about. And when that niche arrived, you were the shoe in perfect fit and you'd done your time and showed that your work ethic and then been yourself because I don't remember a showbiz Shelly in Chicago before you. So you didn't, oh. <laughs> there was no, like, there was no really yeah. goal. It wasn't like, you're like, I want to be Diane Sawyer. I want to, there was no one there for you to mm -hmm. necessarily model yourself after, but you just knew in your heart what really got you excited. And so you stuck with it. And then now you are probably the role model for many other young journalists in the scene. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. And like, it strikes me like, uh, with two things you said, 
one, there's a quote I love and I don't, I don't remember who said it, but it's something along the lines of, we're not afraid to, to start. We're just afraid to start small and we're afraid for people to see us starting small. But the truth is we all have to start small in some capacity, meaning, right, you're not going to start your YouTube channel and then have a million followers right away. You might, it's going to be a slow roll, you know? And, um, that's something that, um, that stuck with me. And I think also, like you said, I was able to stick with it because right. It was, I just genuinely loved it. I wasn't trying to pretend to be something I wasn't. I did know that I always wanted to do entertainment. And so because I genuinely loved it, it was like, okay, if I start with just, you know, you know, a few dozen followers, it's okay. Cause I yeah. still really like it. So I'm just going to keep doing it. And I think that is really important to be, that's something even I'm still learning is this idea of being authentic to yourself and being true to yourself and speaking your truth and letting it be known and that it's okay. Yeah. And I think that's a lifelong journey that we all, I think there are seasons in our lives when we feel that we can really resonate in our authenticity. And then there, there may be challenges where that seems harder for us to access. And maybe we don't feel safe to be our authentic selves in certain contexts. And I think it's something that we all struggle with. But I love that it's been part of your journey because it really helped you by being able to say, this is what this is what gets me excited. This is really where my passion is. And you know what I love about entertainment in general is people could say, oh, you know, it's not the hard, serious news. It's not politics. It's not the real world. It's, But you know what it is? It's the, it's the place where people go when the real world has been too hard. They mm-hmm. go to that, that movie, that chick flick. And, mm-hmm. you know, for me, like, I don't, I really don't even like heavy duty movies because I will just start sobbing hysterically and I'm just too hurt. And I'm like, I, you oh, know, me too. <laughs> I'm like, the real world is like really hard enough. So when it I is. go for that two hours with my popcorn and the surround sound, I want to laugh. I want to giggle. I want that escapism. And that is important because we need that because life is hard. And so what you are doing is bringing that spark of joy. It's very important. It's a huge, important part of our lives that sometimes I think people minimize, but it is important. Oh yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And thank you for saying that. Cause that I agree with you that I think it is an escape for people. And I think the other thing too, that I find with entertainment is it's also in a lot of ways, it's super relatable. I mean, I think the reason we're fascinated by all these people and all these celebrities, or at least for me, why I'm fascinated with a lot of them is because we, I think, compare our situations a lot of time to what these celebrities are going through. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, whether they're having a breakup or their kids are going to college or with the Kardashians, I'm obsessed with them. And I don't care what people say because (laughs) I find that so many of the things that they do on their show or that they talk about, it's like, I fought with my sister about the same thing a few weeks ago, you know, and it's like, (laughs) and I think in a way it's, it's, um, it's a way to see that even though these people have a lot of money and they have what seems like a very glamorous life, they go through a lot of the same things that we do. And they also can fall and make mistakes like we do. And I think that's an important thing to note because I even know on, you know, the radio shows that I've done when we talk about entertainment and I'll do like, if I do an entertainment report, it starts good conversation about, was this the right decision? Should, you know, why did she break up with him? What wasn't that, you know, I don't know. And I know you probably yeah. can relate to some stuff too with the relationship work that you do, but. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And yeah. And you know, my book is all about staying strong and not settling because the single life can be tough and you can get people looking at you like, what's wrong with you? So my listeners know that I'm all about that. And in fact, you know, when you talked about celebrities being relatable, it made me think of, I do have a quote from Sheryl Crow because, you know, I didn't get married until 42. So people were like, oh my gosh, are you too picky? Are you too this, that? What what the heck are you too? Mm-hmm. And I remember I would, I, I love Sheryl Crow anyway, because I love her music. I love her as a songwriter, but I also really identified with her because she is single. And, and I remember thinking, so you think there's something wrong with me that I'm single? Look at Cheryl Crow. Is there something wrong with her too? Oh. And there was, yeah. And there's a quote that she, that I found when I was doing research for the book where someone was saying to her, essentially the things that many of us hear when we're single, or when we're out of step with where society thinks we're supposed to be. And, and she said how she felt like, wow, people think there's something wrong with me. There's something fundamentally flawed that I'm doing that's keeping me single. And I remember thinking, but Cheryl Crow, you're kind of almost perfect. How in the world could there be something wrong with you? But And it does. It's like you're saying. It really helps us understand that everyone goes through these same emotions and these same challenges in life. It No one's exempt. 
a lot of people that like, I want to even say like Tracy Ellis Ross, I think has talked about yes. something similar and, mm-hmm. um, and imagine too, I mean, all of us of course have our little group of friends who were maybe we feel a little bit ashamed or embarrassed when people say that type of thing. But these people, you know, celebrities go through it on, they have millions and millions of people. Right. Cheryl Crow, you know, feels that way in front of God knows how many, but while celebrities do have that big platform, they aren't that different from us. And that's what really fascinates me about, because you do kind of get down to that nitty gritty, like, Hey, like I always try to ask questions that sort of bring them back down to earth a little bit. Like, yeah, you have this awesome movie, but like, you know, I'm trying to think like a recent one. Oh, like John Travolta, I interviewed not too long ago. And one of the things I was like, you know, you used to have sisters who lived in Chicago. Like, what was that like with your sisters, you know, being here and not being able to see it? And he would sneak in and he used to fly his planes here to see them. And that's the part I find fascinating that even though we put these people on a pedestal, they're not that different from us. Yeah. Um, And I didn't know that about John Travolta. And I think that, of course, Chicagoans love to hear that he's got connections in the shy. So Mm -hmm. he's got to be all right kind of thing. Yeah. And I also thought of, too, I remember um, I thought of what, what you were saying about how you kind of compare when you do some of your relationship stuff and you talk about celebrities. I saw something you posted about like the people on The Bachelor. Like I'm obsessed with The Bachelor. And that's for (laughs) a similar reason because even though people are like, well, it's so fake and it's not how real relationships work. I think regardless, there's still an element of I've been through that. A guy has said something like that to me that, you know, oh my gosh, I cried over the same thing about a, about a guy. And so I just, I love it yeah. for that reason. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and they're just saying whenever they go to those cuts to where they're just talking to the camera, they're saying out loud those things that so many of us are saying in our own head, or like you said, are saying with a group of girlfriends, but maybe we're not out there saying it to the entire right. TV community, mm-hmm. but but we're feeling it or we wrote it in our journal. And But then my heart gets so pulled. I just want to go, oh, I wish I could talk to you right now, Haley. <laughs> right? <laughs> I really want to comfort you. You are so beautiful and you're so cute and you're really young. You actually have lots of time. So right. yeah, but they don't feel like that you know, because people feel what they feel when they feel it. And I can say, uh, you know, I'm in my forties and I can say, Haley, don't rush it. You have so much time, but she's feeling that very genuinely at that moment. And, and again, it it does make everything so relatable for sure. No, absolutely. I know. And they're all like 24, 25 and it's like, Oh my God, stop. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, Oh, I want to be like, the research shows the older you are at age of first marriage, the less likely you are to divorce. Right? So actually yeah. just take your time, yeah. get to know who you are, yeah. feel more secure and confident in who you are by yourself. And that will only make you a stronger partner for your eventual marriage. But I don't know. They haven't called me to say, do some commentary with The Bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they ever would bring a psychologist. Oh. I, thank you. I think so too. But I don't think they ever would because I think they would they want them to kind of spiral out of control. No, they don't sure. want someone to talk them off. I don't know if it's true. I've heard they have one behind the scenes kind of, oh. but I, you know, like you said, who knows how involved that person is. And I think that, right, they want them to spiral a little bit. So <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> if you drink black coffee or hot tea, I know you've burned your tongue hundreds of times. Or you've had to wait 20 minutes for your coffee to cool down, which by that time, your donut or muffin is long gone and you've missed the joy of pairing that sweet breakfast item with your bitter black coffee. If it sounds like I'm speaking from personal experience, I am. But I've got good news for us. Drink Perfection takes beverages from scalding hot to the perfect temperature, where you can actually appreciate the flavor notes, by the way, in just 20 seconds without watering them down. Learn more at drinkperfection.com. And be sure to check out The Perfector's other application, taking red wine from room temp to wine cellar temperature again in just 20 seconds. Find out more at drinkperfection.com. So tell us some of your highlights, some of the most memorable portions of your career. Are there any interviews that really stick out or ones that you think, wow, that was something I never thought I would get to that point or something like that? Oh my goodness. Pretty much there's a lot just because, um, like I said, I was very quiet growing up. I still am very much an introvert, which surprises a lot of people. Yeah, it takes, sure. I'm, I love what I do, but it takes a lot for me to do it, which surprises sure. people. Um, yeah. so, uh, I mean, just the fact that 
uh, I'm trying to think offhand. Like I would say one of the first things that really stuck out to me as a massive sort of career milestone was, you know, growing up, I would go to a lot of these concerts that the radio stations would put on and I would be in the crowd and, you know, I'd buy a ticket like everybody else. And I would scream at my favorite acts. And (laughs) then I remember the first time I actually, you know, I was working at the radio station and they said, Hey, you're going to be backstage. You're going to be interviewing so-and-so. I don't remember who it was at the time, but um, I think it was like pink or somebody like that. And they were like, Hey, you know, you're going to interview her. And like, I almost started getting emotional because it's like, I used to be out there in the crowd cheering everybody else. And then to be back here, getting to interview these people who I look up to and I listen to their music and I've always wanted to interview them. That was pretty special. That was cool. And in particular, when I remember really feeling that when I interviewed the Backstreet Boys, because when I was home in high school and junior high watching TRL, I remember Carson Daly would interview them and Mm -hmm. I loved them and I listened to all their songs and I had all their albums. And then I remember Backstreet Boys, the first time I interviewed them, they were at Ravinia actually. Oh, wow. And yeah, I went backstage and I interviewed them at Ravinia and I just remember they were so kind and it was, that stuck out to me as a moment like, oh my gosh, that was so cool. Like, and it was like, what is my life? Like, that is awesome. But I just got <laughs> to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, some other memorable people, I mean, there's been so many, I mean, Britney Spears was another cool one. Um, yeah. Drake was awesome. I really liked Drake because he was super, at the time he was very open about sort of his feelings towards Rihanna and how he really, really liked her. And so he was pretty open about that. I remember, um, Pitbull's another one who I always say was so cool. Um, Jennifer Lopez is like one of my all time favorites. Yeah. I mean, John Travolta just a few weeks ago, that was really cool. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) My generation remembers him in Greece. I mean, like (laughs) way back. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I I was like in elementary school. Yeah. No, he was, Mm -hmm. he was really nice. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are like, well, what about like, who's the worst? And to be honest, I haven't had a ton of really bad ones just because most of the people are in a setting where, you know, they're promoting something and they want to promote yeah. it. And so mm-hmm. I haven't really had too many bad ones. Um, we were once on the air and Diddy like wouldn't start the interview oh. excuse me, until he had his bowl of cereal. He refused to do it until he had cereal because it was mornings and he wanted to eat. And so he was waiting for somebody, we had to wait for somebody to get him cereal. (laughs) So that was the memorable (laughs) one. Um, but yeah, I would say those are probably some of the highlights. Yeah. And I think I'm glad to hear that you don't typically have people that are kind of cranky, but I, you know, I does, my, my heart does go out to, I mean, I'm sure people like, yeah, cry me a river about these celebrities, but when I see someone at the airport or something, I usually just ignore it because I always feel that they have so little privacy and granted they signed up for this and that's part of the package of fame and they get lots of money and they get free stuff sent to them all the time. But, but I always think, gosh, there's a price to pay. They don't have their privacy. They can't just walk through the airport without, and nowadays, I mean, it used to be an autograph, but now people want selfies with them. And I mean, my heart kind of goes out to them. So when I hear that someone's been crabby, you know, you hear, oh, I saw someone pitching. If I just think, gosh, you know, we don't quite understand what that life is. And you probably see a window into that life more in your position now. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I'm always torn on that one because I agree with you. I think, you know, I'm one of these people, I, I want to kind of pry a little bit because I'm just so curious. <laughs> and so- Well, it's your it's job too. Job. I mean, it's your job. It's my job. Yeah. And so I do feel <laughs> when I see somebody out at the airport or just in a, I don't know, wherever I am randomly, I can't help myself. I feel the compulsion to go up and to ask for a picture of some sort. I think too, just because I want to share my excitement with all my followers because I know they like entertainment right. and celebrities. Yeah. Um, I haven't had too many, most people are very gracious with that and they really take the time. I remember one in particular was I was at, I want to say it was the Billboard Awards, I think, or was it the MTV Award? I don't know. It was one of them in LA and the show just ended and I was going back to the hotel and Mark Cuban was in the gift shop at the hotel with one of his kids and I'm obsessed with him and I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I was like, I have to say, I have to go up to him and so I went up and he was so nice and he took a selfie and 
I think I tweeted the selfie at him and he tweeted me back and then he ended up following me. And that's like my big, like every now and again, I check, I'm like, is Mark Cuban still following me? And sure enough, he is. And it's just, um, but I think, I don't know, I try to your point, I get, I, I agree with you. And so I try not to, if I do do that, I try not to. And I also try to read the room. Like if they seem like they're having a bad day, it's like, you know, it's just not going to happen. Then I'll definitely pass. But, um, for the most part, if it seems like they'll be cool with it, I'll go up to him and I'll say something, but I try to keep it very short and very brief and just get the picture and kind of leave him alone. But, um, you know, it is, it's just kind of a fun way to, um, I think kind of also too, just especially people are around town, like let people know, Hey, oh my gosh, like the Jonas brothers were in town pretty much all week last week. And they were, uh, taking pictures with everybody and they were everywhere. And I think it's kind of like a fun way for people to connect like, Oh, I met them and this is what they were doing. And I think mostly I always hear like, so my husband is the exact Uh opposite of me. He, if he sees someone, he wants to go right up and shake their hand and tell them how much he appreciates their work. It's funny you bring up Mark Cuban because I had a Mark Cuban connection just recently. He, I went to this tiny little school, Judson University out in Elgin, you know, Northwest Uh suburbs and it's small little school. But anyway, one of our alum connected with Mark Cuban. He lives in Washington and does political kind of stuff and randomly connected with Mark Cuban. And Mark Cuban agreed to come to our tiny little school and speak for free as like a fundraiser for our tiny little school. It was so kind of him, so nice of him. And so my husband has this business. And so we were one of the sponsors. So because we were sponsors, we got to have a little quick, little tiny, like 30 seconds of a photo op. And he could not have been kinder and big smile for everybody and then had a great talk. And just the fact that he would fly in and speak for free, which I'm sure his speaking fees, what he could normally get for a speech, I was just really struck by that. And so it's nice to see even above and beyond kind of kindness that happens. And I think probably more so than, than not. Yeah, that's my experience. And that's so cool to hear that. Yeah. And and I think to your husband's approach is good because I do think also if it is the way in which you approach them provided, you know, if you're running up, freaking out, screaming, you know, they might take that a little bit the wrong way. But <laughs> right. Yeah. To go up in like a respectful way and say, hey, you know, I love what you do or your work's touched me in this way. I do think they'll have a better response to that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're single, you've likely heard it all. You've been told you're too picky, you should just get on another dating app, or that you're not trying hard enough. And you're probably really tired of hearing those messages because I know I was when I was single for all those years, which is why I felt the need to bring another perspective to the dating relationship self-help genre. Single is the new black, don't wear white till it's right, is my take on what the single life can be if we refuse to settle, we know that we're worth an extraordinary relationship, and we refuse to fall prey to single shaming. Trust me, it is a different self-help book. Check it out on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or on my website, www.drkarin.me, D-R-K-A-R-I-N.me. What kind of advice would you give for women who, and maybe not necessarily just in journalism or in your field, but just in general, when you think about young women today, like you mentioned a little bit about being true to your word and hustling, not being afraid to have a vision that maybe they can't even see. You know, it's funny because my career has been, I was first a therapist Mm -hmm. for several years in Chicago South Side, and I worked with kids in the child welfare system. And then I went back and got my doctorate, and then I was a professor for 10 years, and again in Chicago and then in the suburbs. And now I have a podcast. Well, podcasts weren't even around when I was in college. So (laughs) sometimes we have to be open to having a vision develop and then going after it, which is what I love about your story. There wasn't a showbiz, Shelly, and now there is. And I just love that you created that. You just created your vision and you went for it. Yeah. Yeah. Any any words for women who are listening, how to make it happen in their careers? Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. Because like I said, I watched the entertainment TV shows like TRL. I kind of had said, I was like, you know, I'm going to be an entertainment TV reporter. I'm going to be on TV doing entertainment stuff. And that was always what I kind of thought the ultimate place would be where I would be covering these celebrities and covering the movie premieres and doing all that. And 
But when the radio opportunity happened, I was like, you know what, I might as well. It'll get me, you know, it'll be a step to that. And what I realized is like, this is it. Like I'm creating the opportunity I wanted just by simply sort of making the contacts and reaching out to people and saying, Hey, look, you know, I mean, the way that I got a lot of these interviews is by formulating relationships with, you know, movie studios and publicists. And it wasn't just something that sort of fell in my lap. I had to really reach out and make the connections. And I do agree with you. I think you have to be open that yet you can have your goal and your dream. But I think the universe kind of also has a plan for us or whatever you believe in. And you kind of have to be open to whatever can kind of come your way. And right. Cause when I first started in radio, you know, I remember we got a text line and that was a really big deal. Like, Oh, people can text us while we're on the radio. And over the course of my career, I mean, now, you know, people are tweeting and sending Instagram messages and it's just, it's totally a different climate and it's changed. And I mean, for those who are specifically looking to do media or entertainment, I always say the good thing is now you have so many platforms that you don't even necessarily have to start on radio or on TV. You can have your own TV show on Instagram, or you can do it on YouTube. You can kind of have your own little channel and kind of work your way up from there. And again, it's, I would say, don't be afraid to start off small, you know, don't worry about how many people are following you or watching if you're consistent and you have good content to share, people will eventually find you. Um, yeah, I think again, just for me, consistency is a really big deal. I even find that with, you know, interns we've worked with in the past or even just people who, whether it's a publicist or somebody who I even connect with for my job, just as a contact who helps me out with interviews or whatever it might be, I find it just makes my life easier when the person is consistent and they follow through on their word and they say, Hey, look, you know, I'll send you an email in a week with a follow-up if this isn't a good time. And then they do, or if sometimes I'll miss an email and then they'll follow up with a call. And I know not a lot of people call and everyone hates calling. I love calling. <laughs> so like, it, you know, it, it makes me realize, oh, okay, this person's really serious. So, I mean, I would say those are kind of the main things, but also just in terms of like, if people are listening and they're maybe in high school and they're looking to, to go to college. And I, I always say an internship is a great way to go because at least you can get your foot in the door and see if you like it. And you can see if you like the environment, because I know a lot of people who, um, I went to school with and they thought they really wanted to do TV and then they did an internship and they realized like, Oh, actually, no, I don't want to be here. Like, and that's okay right. to change your mind too. And to think, even though you always had your heart set on this, it's okay to change your mind. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. And that's, and that's valuable. An internship that confirms for you that you don't want to head in that direction. That's a valuable semester of internship, even if you were kind of miserable the entire time. I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm the same as you. I always encourage people go to college. Some people say, well, I don't even know what I want to do, but just go there, get into the environment. You'll start taking classes. You'll figure out oh, that one kind of lit me up. That one left me flat. Okay. Now, and you'll have these opportunities. And then when you have those opportunities in those, in those real world circumstances, that will help you really figure out. But also, like you're saying, be flexible because we don't even know what's coming down the pike. I mean, right? yeah, like you're saying, I mean, now people can have, I mean, wasn't Justin Bieber, Usher found him on YouTube or something like that. I mean, so there's so many ways to put their heart out there. So if people have a talent or a, a dream, just start, put it out there because if no one picks it up and it's, it didn't go big time, well, then that wasn't meant to happen for that person. But it doesn't mean that what they're doing didn't touch a couple people. Right. You know, if I looked at like my podcast is worthless until I have millions and millions of followers and listeners. Well, no, that's not true. As long as there's one or two people, which of course, with the beauty of social media, and I'm sure you get this too. If I get a one or two little DMs like, hey, that was really what I needed to hear today. I need that encouragement today. It's, it's worth all the effort if one or two people are touched. A hundred percent. And also, because if you think about it, right. So if that one person DMs you and says, Hey, your podcast really touched me today. I mean, the way I like to think about it is imagine how many people you come into contact with daily. And then if your podcast touched that one person, imagine how many people they come into contact with and they could make somebody else's day. So it, even though it doesn't feel like it, it feels like it just touched one person. It really does sort of exponentially you know, it kind of exponentially grows and it'll exponentially make people feel better, even though it feels like it's just that one person you're touching. 
And so even though you don't have maybe a major platform like some of these celebrities with millions and millions of followers who can tweet anything and get hundreds of thousands of retweets and likes, I don't know that that's what it's about necessarily. I think it is about touching those few people because imagine on a daily basis how many people we interact with. And it's kind of like that thing if if you kind of, you know, do one good thing, maybe if you like buy that extra coffee for somebody unexpectedly at like a Starbucks or something, it'll make their day. And then think of how great their day is. And, you know, maybe they're a teacher and they'll go into school and all their students will feel that warmth from their day. I mean, it's just, it can multiply in lots of different ways. So I totally agree with you on that. I think that's really important. Yeah. And that's a really good way of looking at it, that there is a ripple effect, even if it's only one person that reaches out, that just by them being encouraged, they are going to naturally spread that encouragement throughout their day. So there is a ripple Mm -hmm. effect. And I think we all need to remember that, especially like you said, in this age where, you know, we've always known that celebrities have their platform and they can influence, but now we have all these influencers and we can always look at, oh gosh, you know, that so-and-so has more followers than me. And those comparison games that is one of the reasons that psych research shows that social media consumption is typically related to depression and anxiety because if we're not careful, if we don't just go, hey, I'm here to share and hope to encourage or for what you're doing to hope to bring a spark of joy to someone. If, If we go at it with the oh, I'm trying to compete with this person over here or I want to get to the number of followers of this person over here. Then we play those comparison games, which is related to all kinds of horrible stuff psychologically. So we don't want to do that. We want to be about what we're doing and keep that comparison out of it. But that's not easy. So it's one of the things I talk about a lot on the on the program because I want to encourage us all to use social media for good, not for evil. I know. Yeah. No, <laughs> trust me. It is a struggle, but I think, cause even I have that struggle. It's like, oh my gosh, why did that picture only get like that many? Like, you know, right. but then I like remind myself, you know, there's always going to be people doing better than you and there's, or better. I don't even know if that's like a term I should use, but right. there's always going to be people with more followers or, you know, and then there'll always be people who, you know, it, I mean, the comparison is silly because they'll yeah. always, you can compare yourself to anybody and always find reasons why you are doing worse. Or, you know, on that note, you can always find reasons why you're, you know, um, why you're happy with what you're doing. So, and I think it's important to focus more on the latter. So, agreed. Yeah. And, and it has to be an intentional, it, it's intentional because there's so many opportunities to compare nowadays, much more. I mean, I can go compare myself to anybody at any time of day with this device that's in my hand at all times. So we have the opportunity to throw ourselves into that arena. And so we have to be really intentional. I, was, I just had this girls weekend with my college roommates. We've been trying to get together even more frequently the last several years. And so we do a girls trips. And, and we were just talking about that very thing, not necessarily about comparison, but about how each day to make that intentional commitment to look for the good to look for what the sun is shining and to be thankful for that, to look for the joy in the midst of, because every day there's going to be struggles. There's going to be, I mean, someone's sick. A, a kid is is stressing out. My friends have kids, you know, so the kids are stressing them out, right? They're yeah. worried about this one and this one's going down this direction. And, and so there's always the opportunity to focus on the bad or focus on the good. Oh, and, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And yeah, and I mean, I'm a big believer in, what you focus on will continue to expand. And right, to your point, you can always find something that's going crappy in your life and you don't like it. And so if you continue to focus on it, it'll just keep getting bigger. And But we're all guilty of it. It's hard. You know, yeah. that's how we're conditioned. It's hard. So, you know, going back to the idea of, yeah, just kind of being genuine and authentic to yourself. And if your goal is to touch maybe hundreds, thousands of lives, you'll get there just keep doing what you like to do. And, and I think it will happen for you eventually. And I love that even though you are an introvert and that may have been something that could have been a stumbling block for you along the way, like, wait a minute, I'm an introvert. How am I going to have this platform where I'm talking to people who are kind of intimidating and I'm going to have to call people and make connections. And so I love that you acknowledge who you are and still said, but I'm going to go for it. Yeah. It's, I mean, when people, when I tell people that they're like, oh my gosh, really? And I think there is this perception and a lot of people I know in radio are, they're very outgoing and they love being center of attention and they love, you know, going to lots of events and, and, you know, being in front of people. And that has not always been my thing. Like that's something I've had to grow accustomed to. And it's something I've had to work at and to practice. And it's something where 
I have had to practice even knowing sort of my own limits. Like, okay, I know if I take on this interview today, it's going to be too much for me. You know, and I don't know how much even um, your listeners know, but introverts, like I get more of my energy from being alone and I kind of have to be by myself to recharge. And, mm-hmm. um, and so for me, it's setting those boundaries a lot of times like, okay, I need to make sure that even though I have this event, then I need to make sure I don't have that much the next day because if I don't do that, then I just get drained. I get really drained. And, and then I am, yeah, I'm super, you know, I, I was always shy growing up. And so I, I'm sometimes amazed at myself that like I've come <laughs> this far and that I've, you know, done some of the things I've done. I mean, I remember when I first started, I was asked, I think it was the cast, I want to say of the Hunger Games came to like a mall. It was like Woodfield Mall, I think. And there were, I think they said like 30,000 kids showed up and it was like this crazy where I had to interview. And I remember being so terrified and I almost get to a point where it's like, it's almost so terrifying. I can't think about it anymore. And so I just, Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know what, whatever happens, happens. And I just (laughs) like, let it go because I just can't even care that much. And, um, it always turns out to be fine. It's always fine. But I I always do get a little nervous. It, It takes me sometimes a little bit of time to like ramp myself up and get to that space where it's like, okay, I've got to go talk to these people or I've got to reach out to this person or I've got to do this interview. And I think a lot of people are surprised by that. It doesn't really come as naturally to me as some other people. But I'm so glad you shared that. You know, I had a a, a psychologist on recently talking about social anxiety. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that a lot of people with anxiety think, they think that someone like you, it just comes naturally. They think that you're just always on and always bubbly. And it's the easiest thing in the world for you to talk to people who are world famous. And that's very rarely the case. Does anyone have it that easy? Even when I was a professor and I would do speeches at conferences and I've got a, I've got a speech coming up this weekend at a conference in New York and I've spoken in front of people for my entire career pretty much. And I still will get nervous. I mean, so what I love is just, it's not that you don't have those feelings. It's just that you do a lot of self-talk. You tell yourself it's going to be okay. Take a deep breath. It's going to be all right. And you know, I felt like this before. And I've gotten through it. And you show yourself by pushing yourself to go through with what is scary and what is giving you anxiety and butterflies. But then once you do it, you realize almost like a muscle, like, okay, it's gonna, it's not going to be as hard next time. And, and you show yourself you can do it. And that's where self-esteem comes from. I mean, people want to, they think that people have self-esteem that just born with this great feeling. No, it's just that they keep pushing themselves to try things that challenge them. And then they show themselves they can do it. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I hope that it does, you know, I hope that, you know, maybe it will kind of impact, you know, maybe a handful of people listening just because I do think that, right. I I do think a lot of people, they don't really expect that from a radio personality. And I think it is important for them to know that just because, you know, I think a lot of people can relate to me. Like, even though you might not be on the radio, maybe you're at a in a workplace where you have to give a presentation or something. And, and I get that a lot from people is that people say, you know, Shelly, I just, even though, you know, I didn't really, you know, I wasn't there sitting in the room with you when you were talking about, I don't know, like whatever radio topic you were talking about. Like I still kind of, I, I understood, like I could feel what you meant. And I, you know, I'm like you, like I always try to see, you know, glass half full and like, um, I'm always the optimist. And I think that that does kind of come with the fact that I do, I have anxiety and I can, and I can get anxiety. And so it is important for me to kind of look at, um, the positive thing, but I think it is important that people know that, yeah, it doesn't come that easy. And it is something that I have to work on. And, um, I have been for a lot of years (laughs) and, um, and, and I think it is just sort of, I think a lot of people can relate to it because I think, um, there are a lot of people like me who listen to the radio, you know, like I remember at times um, when I did full-blown mornings, I would say, hey, you know, I stayed in on a Friday night and didn't do anything. Well, you know, maybe for some that would be looked down upon, like, what do you mean you weren't going out and having, you know, didn't go party? And I was like, no, but I think that's a lot of people. I think, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people can, um, they have that same experience. And I think it's important to know that even though, like, that's sort of what I'm proud in a lot of ways that I have made it this far sort of being that way, you know, maybe not what your typical, what you'd expect from a typical radio personality, because I think it shows you don't have to necessarily fit a certain formula or be this certain type of way to fit like your dream job or your ideal job that you can kind of make it work in a way that works for you. 
Yeah, I love that. I think it just really ties into the theme that we've been talking about for the entire conversation is realizing that a star, a movie star is more relatable than we ever thought because they are struggling in their personal life with their dating and relationship right. or, or or for someone like you who has this beautiful smile and you just are up there and there's so much charisma and someone would, would obviously think that that just comes so naturally to you. And yet here you're going, no, I, I have to do what we all have to do, which is try to figure out ways to calm my nerves, calm my fears. And so I think it's really helpful just these kind of conversations to remind all of us that whether you're a movie star, whether you're showbiz Shelley, or whether you're <laughs> someone listening today, life is challenging. It is. And we make choices with what we can. We can't choose what happens to us, but we can choose how we respond. And that's really what you've been sharing today, which, and thank you so much, Shelly. What, is there anything going on that you would like to do a little plug for or promote? Um, anything coming down the pike or if not, how should people find you? Oh my gosh, what are we doing? Um, well, I will say Kiss FM has, we have our jingle ball coming up. So you're going to want to get tickets. We're making the big announcement. Um, who's going to be there. So that's probably the big thing coming up for the holidays. Yeah. But yeah, if people want to find me, you can find me. I'm at Showbiz Shelly on all social media. So that's um, Shelly, S-H-E-L-L-Y. Yeah. I love connecting with people. So if you, you know, if you can in any way relate to this or you need anything, like always feel free to reach out. I really appreciate it. I've really enjoyed our conversation and you've really given a lot of great ideas for women to make it happen in their career, whether their personality seems like it's a great fit for their career or whether the dream just seems like too impossible. You've really given some tangible steps for how to make it happen. So thank you, Shelly. Oh, good. I hope so. Thank you so much. You're awesome. Thank you. The love and life hack for this week is let's take a page from Shelly's playbook and make it happen in our careers. And don't let anything, shyness, anxiety, or an introverted personality stand in our way. Also, I wanted to let you know that I've recently added a new feature to my website to help me better answer your questions. I used to respond via email or DM, but some of your questions are very personal and deep, and I felt I wanted to give them more in-depth responses. So in order to do this, you can now record your questions in an audio file, and then I'll answer them in a bonus for my besties special podcast episode just for those who join the Love and Life family by signing up for my email list. This week, the first two bonus episodes will be sent out, so please join us. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. As always, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for subscribing to the podcast and sharing episodes with others. I truly appreciate all your support. And until next time, make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson-Abram.